He's wearing a Roddy Collins jacket. He's got his teeth done like Ross from Friends. He is looking, <laughs> ma- he's, he, he's, he's looking magnificent and he's ready to go. Just for the pod, lads. Just for the pod. Download the OTB Sports app and subscribe to the GAA podcast feed now. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette. We don't just play the game. We change it. Gillette. Made of what matters. This is News Talk. Christmas may be over, uh, we may be coming into a new year, but it is kind of the same old Man United. That's going to be a big theme uh, of the show tonight. We're going to talk to Andy Mitten of United We Stand. Uh, it really does seem like Groundhog Day here. Every time I'm here anyway, we seem to be talking about Man United uh, having a bit of a revival and then being crap again. And it was the latter last night. Really, really poor one-all draw against uh, Newcastle. We'd like to hear from Man United fans. What do you think? You know, What about the performances of Bruno and Ronaldo? These signature players, obviously Gary Neville up in arms about it after the match. Um, and what's the future now? What does Rangnick do? Very, very strong comments after the game. Um, so that'll be uh, the cornerstone of the show tonight from half seven. But tonight is pretty much a night of the best ofs. Uh, from eight o'clock, we'll talk to Don Stradley, who's the author of The War. Uh, Dudley Stokes, the inspiration behind Cool Runnings. Johnny Logan on being a Bose fan. And then Brian Kerr on St. Pat's. A lot of Dundalk fans, no doubt, tuning in there. Um, it was a big, big day on the racing front. I'm absolutely dying to talk about racing, as I'm sure Cahill Milani and Dahi Boland are as well. And uh, lots to happen in the football as well. Man United playing last night, but Liverpool uh, bidding to gain some ground on Man City tonight. Um, playing Leicester yet again after what one Liverpool fan might make Chris described as his favourite game in a long, long time, that three-all draw last uh, week in which Cueven Kelleher obviously saved two penalties in the Carabao Cup. Um, and he's on the bench tonight, Dahi Boland. Johnny Ward, how are you? What's going on? Well, plenty going, plenty going on in sports action, Johnny. Uh, that Liverpool game, as you're saying, um, what was it? Three three, and then Tottenham two two at the the other day. Like Liverpool, they're a joy to watch, Johnny. And you then take Manchester United on the other end, who oh, they're a struggle to watch, Johnny. Like watching them last night, you know, as a Man United fan, it's it's depressing. Like you know, you look at some of the star players, Cristiano Ronaldo. Like if you if you heard Gary Neville. Gary Neville was talking about Ronaldo, the whinging, along with Bruno Fernandes, and just, it's not good to see, like, you know, not good to see at all, and, like, you see then what Liverpool are like, just the whole team, they're a unit, you know, and obviously results are coming along, like, it's just... It's a tough time being a Man United fan compared to a Liverpool fan. If you've any texts, uh, we're on 53106, including any, um, I don't know, comments on Dahi's salmon kind of hoodie. Is it a salmon outfit you got there? <laughs> Sam, yeah, we'll go salmon, Johnny. Yeah. We'll Can go it, salmon. Yeah. Hard to tell it from the, the colour of the, the paint behind you, actually. But uh, I also want to hear, is the title race over? I kind of think Man City basically have it won the way they're playing at the moment with De Bruyne coming back into form and I think they probably will have too much Liverpool are coughing up too many chances albeit Man City obviously coughed up three goals in their own last game against Leicester what's going on? Yeah I'm not sure Johnny I think possibly Liverpool their squad is just a little bit too thin to sustain a title challenge for the full length of the season Liverpool have a big game tonight obviously they've got Chelsea uh, at the weekend as well so they've got a couple of big games coming up and then their, their squad is going to be particularly stretched after Christmas you would think but I think the there's still enough in that Liverpool squad to sustain the title challenge into March or April anyway and then see how it goes from there but Man City do look do look streets ahead Chelsea have wobbled a little bit uh, in recent weeks as well they're not quite as bulletproof as maybe we might have thought that they were um, but I think the league has been pretty entertaining I think that game last night if you were neutral uh, was entertaining enough in that the fans are really getting behind Newcastle there was a couple of great chances laid on as well where the atmosphere was brilliant when they hit the post and then De Gea made a brilliant save in fairness to him didn't he laid on to deny Newcastle 
that league goal but um, look the league has a lot of different subplots happening at the moment as well I suppose Spurs today were held to a one-all draw we'll run through that in the news round in just a second uh, but that battle for fourth spot if United keep uh, failing to put in t- together any sort of run Arsenal are back in a bit of form as well um, so th- that that might be an interesting thing as well as the title race Okay, the subplot Dahi would seem to be looking at the table on the presumption that maybe the likes of Brentford um, and saying Leeds and Everton as well, Leeds with a lot of injuries. I think they'll be okay. The relegation battle is probably going to be four divided by three in Watford, Burnley, Newcastle. Well, Norwich are probably gone. What do you make of that? Well, if Newcastle played the way they did last night, Johnny, they should be okay. Um, I, I thought- remember they have an extremely good manager as well. They do, like, and just the way they performed last night, if you're a Newcastle fan, you definitely will be lifted by that. Um, it's just a case now, can they bring that consistency to the table? Like Now, again, you're playing Man United. What sort of form are they in? We have no idea um, at the moment as to how good this United team potentially could be. But looking at Newcastle last night, I'd have confidence in them getting out of the relegation zone. But as you said, there are a lot of good teams there, Burnley being one, like... I know they're in that dogfight, but you, you, you expect Burnley with Sean Dyche. They've been there before. Sean is that type of manager. He can just, you know, grind out results when needs be. Leeds United, a lot of talented players there. They shouldn't be where they are, but again, probably squad depth has let them down there. Um, a team I wouldn't like to see go down. I know fans, some, some people might say their supporters are a bit, you know, controversial, but, you know, Leeds bring a lot to the Premier League and they were gone for so long and it's great to have them back. But um, yeah, just I think Watford definitely a team I can see going down like, you know, there today losing to West Ham. Never going to be an easy game that. Mm. I think Norwich definitely are going down. Um, it's just the case who is going to be that third team. Um, it's hard to know at this stage. Like a lot of people might go with Newcastle, but I just think after last night's performance, there's something to build on there. And Eddie Howe, he, he's definitely, definitely a good manager that can build on something. I went home on Christmas Eve um, and I'd, I was badly hit by the flu jab the day before. Sorry, the flu jab, the vaccine jab. I actually turned down the flu jab. I said one needle is enough. <laughs> but uh, I was badly hit by the vaccine jab and I was literally just lying on the couch on Christmas Eve in my sister's place. And um, all I could do was watch like whatever was on the TV if it wasn't like Home Alone or Back to the Future. And they were shown... Liverpool, Man City, the two-all draw, and Salah's goal. I was just like it was literally they were showing the whole game, but I just waited to see Salah's goal again and the build-up to it. That was probably my goal of 2021. I want to ask you, Di, because we have a best of tonight. How was your your sporting sort of highlight in your head, Carl? You have a little bit of time to think about it now. Yeah. Sporting highlight, like there's so many. I think you have to go with Rachel Blackmore, Johnny, and I know you as a horse and fan uh, will definitely agree with that. But just you know, I wouldn't be the biggest horse racing fan. But you just have to what she did like it it was something else to you know like i remember talking to you after she had one and you were explaining to me what she had achieved and you know she's from tipperary as well like which is great to see someone doing so well from there but i just think yeah, it has to be rachel blackmore what she achieved it's just something we haven't seen beforehand you know and like you'll you'll be able to talk better about it what she did but for me that's definitely my moment up the year and she'll be 
I don't know her that well, but I know her, I think, well enough to say she will be absolutely sick tonight because that Plutard was beaten by a nose in the Savile Chase, which will be part of our, our news roundup. But it was one of those results that she'll probably say, if I rode the horse differently, um, it might have been a different result because you're never going to do that when you're done on the line by short head. But we'll probably be more talking about the virtuosity of the ride and the winner as well to be part of the news round. Call your highlight, sporting highlight yeah, of the year. I, I, Call I, did bring out a book, of course, which I think <laughs> in terms of anyone's year is going to be a bit of a highlight. <laughs> but I'd agree with Dahi about Rachel Black. I guess for me um, the Mead women's football team winning the All-Ireland was the one probably because I was at it um, and we had a couple of great weeks in Crowe Park at that time Mayo beat Dublin in the men's football then Tyrone and Kerry and that saga erupted and then I think the the Mead women's footballers beating Dublin in the final definitely topped it all off from a J point of view this year from where they came from at such a low base coming up from intermediate the manner in which they won the final in Crow Park and again I think in front of in front of a crowd that day where you could just see the, the emotion spilling out over the edge from Mead supporters from all over the world and the ones that were lucky enough to be in Crow Park it was just an experience that even if you aren't from Mead definitely stuck in the mind it will for a long long time so for me that day in terms of their achievement but it also underlined the importance I think of fans at sport as well We live in extraordinary times and we took it for granted that women's sport was um, the crumbs at the table for much of my life anyway um, and anyone now who says oh like there, there's too much coverage of women's sport can look at the the viewing figures for games like the Me Dublin game, mm. even viewing figures for Ireland's internationals now, where they're playing effective dead rubbers against Georgia, getting really good crowds, and the attendance um, at that game, but also the viewing figures of that Me Dublin game was massive. Yeah, and there are so many great storylines as well. And I think I think it was last week Teneo brought out some research in terms of the most admired athletes of the year, and Rachel Blackmore and Katie Taylor, off the top of my head, I think topped the charts in terms of sixteen percent each uh, from the. Katie Taylor had a Harrington. And Ke- Kelly Harrington was actually top of the charts with um, possibly there was three three that they were the top three anyway. Mm. Kelly Harrington, Rachel Blackmore, and uh, and Taylor. So that underlines again the the year that women have had in sport for Ireland, the impact that they've made not just on the national stage but on the international stage. And uh, we actually didn't mention Kelly Harrington, did we, in our best sporting moments? I, so. I love the Kelly Harrington story because she's from the inner city, and I love the background on a personal level. I love the background to the fact that um, she's from the inner city and she's dating someone from Fox Rock. They, which just is is a rare enough thing in Dublin, where you have like these people like from completely different parts of the city die who fall in love. Yeah, Johnny, you just don't know what happened in Dublin, the, the romantic capital of the world now. Maybe you know Paris. Good luck. Maybe it's For Dublin. Yourself? Ah, Johnny, we won't even... You're going to Derry now, so there's like... Yeah, yeah. I don't don't think we'll even go there, Johnny. We won't go there, but um, yeah, my love life, that's uh, that's that's an odd story. That's not story. Do we have time for it, Carl? Or will we get to, definitely not. We'll definitely get to not the news. Israel might save Dahi here on the news. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll definitely go to the news. <laughs> Absolutely, one hundred. And there is plenty of news as well, if not in Dahi's love life at the moment. <laughs> well, there are in the Premier League. There's lots happening uh, today, Johnny. As you say, Liverpool back in action this evening. They can close the gap to Manchester City at the top of the Premier League to three points tonight. The big team news emerging ahead of that match at the King Power Stadium is the fact that uh, Virgil Van Dijk back in the Liverpool lineup tonight. Uh, he starts for Liverpool at the King Power Stadium this evening that game's an 8 o'clock kickoff uh, tonight elsewhere in the Premier League today Tottenham were held to a one-all draw by Southampton Harry Kane's penalty there level matters at St Mary Southampton took an early lead there through James Ward-Prowse the Saints played much of that match with 10 men after the first half dismissal of Mohamed Salisu and also a lot of VAR controversy uh, in that match with Spurs having an effort chalked out by VAR elsewhere West Ham came from behind to beat Watford 4-1 while Crystal Palace had a comfortable 3-0 win over bottom side Norwich Um. Die VAR yes or no? 
Uh, to be honest, Johnny, I'm sore 50-50. Like, mm. when a good decision is made, like, absolutely 100%. But obviously, there are decisions there. Like, even there today, Harry Kane got a goal that was ruled out. He was offside, but just about, just about. And, like, again, if VAR wasn't there, we would be having the debate. Oh, he was offside, just about, just about. And, again, you miss that conversation. You miss that sort of debate in the game of football. Um but for me, like, oh yeah, I'm very much 50-50 on it. Like, as I said, when it's good, it's great to have it. But when it comes to those little minor fraction decisions there, it is just taking away that part of the game that I think everyone actually loved. And I think everyone is starting to see that that is a big part of football, that debate inside of it. Totally. And given out about decisions that may or may not have been wrong, there was Celtic playing the other night and... I can't remember what they were debating after it was called, but one of the, the guys, you know, um, analysing the game said, oh, they should bring in VAR in a heartbeat in the SPL. That would have sorted that out straight away. And I just tr- rolled my eyes up to heaven. As a League of Ireland fan, I'd hate, absolutely hate VAR to come in. And League of Ireland fans would primarily, would almost entirely agree with me on that. Yeah, um, I guess it, it comes back to a question of decisions and, and whether, do you want the absolute right technical decision each and every time or... Are you happy enough to allow the referee take a look at the decisions in their own eyes and make a decision? And are you able to live with it if it's the wrong decision at the end of the day? So I think that's the question that fans have to ask themselves. Mm. I think the experience with VAR probably has been pretty negative on the whole, I would wager, uh, since its introduction in England. And But I think it's here to stay. I don't think I don't think they're going to get rid of it. This I think they've obviously, they've obviously at least kind of changed a little bit. The news round is brought to you as well by Gillette. Put your best face forward with our new and improved razors. Other games today as well, Carl. Yeah, uh, as we mentioned, Liverpool and Leicester getting underway at eight. We'll hear from Jurgen Klopp now because the Liverpool boss, of course, has been an outspoken critic of the fixture schedule right now at Christmas. This has been another topic of huge debate in the UK at the moment. But Jurgen Klopp has been speaking about the fixture schedule at the moment and he believes that a solution needs to be found. We wanted to play on Boxing Day. We could have played on Boxing Day, no problem at all. It was because of Leeds, obviously, the situation there. Um, So we accept that. Um, But um, then playing then 26 and 28 is just not right. And I I just say that because it's true. So, um, and I think you can find solutions for that. It's it's not that difficult um, to to, to play um, football in a a slightly different way. Um, 26, 29th, where's the problem? Some teams are doing that. United plays tonight and I'm not sure when they have the next game. Probably not the 29th, it'll be the 30th or whatever. So there's enough days for playing. We could play football and it just would help the players, even without COVID. And the problem is now, obviously, with some teams um, definitely have um, a proper uh, COVID problem in the moment, and then you 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 rush um, a, a smaller group of players to, to through two games. So it's you need luck in these moments, and I think you should not need um, luck in in these moments. That's the situation. Yeah, so that's Jurgen Klopp uh, speaking about the fixture schedule at the moment. Sean Dyche, though, the Burnley manager, he's hit back at Jurgen Klopp. Uh, Dyche says that player welfare is off the scale. That's after Klopp accused Burnley of putting players' safety at risk by blocking the return to five substitutions. Now, Dyche has previously said that adopting a five-substitute rule in the Premier League would benefit the big clubs and suggests football has to be careful over the direction it takes. I only speak for myself, you know, and I have absolutely zero problem against anyone else's opinion. I'm quite happy to share mine. I often do. If others do share theirs, they're valid to share theirs and different challenges. They'll have different challenges, different reasons. Everyone will have their own reasons. So it's more about that. I don't, I have total...
respect for managers and what they do because it's a very hard industry. Um, I have total respect for their decisions on what words they use, how they put it out there. Never had a problem with it. Still done. Yeah, so that's uh, Sean Dice speaking on the return to the five substitute rule in the Premier League. By the way, the kickoff time uh, tonight is eight o'clock at the King Power Stadium for Liverpool and Leicester. On the transfer front today, Johnny Barcelona completed the signing of Ferran Torres from Manchester City. Fifty-five million, the initial uh, price of that deal. Torres has signed a five-year contract, which includes a one billion euro release clause. Uh, Chelsea defender Ben Chilwell would undergo knee surgery, which could rule him out for the rest of the season. He suffered a ligament damage in the Champions League last month against Juventus. Uh, it's understood that Chelsea initially let Chilwell rehab, begin rehab work in the hope that he'd be able to return without uh, requiring surgery but uh, that has not been the case and here at home Carlos Sullivan says he's thrilled to join Sligo Rovers the 22 year old moves to the showgrounds from Finn Harps he signed a two year deal with the bitter red the, so again the other night there was Juve were playing Calorie and like this is one of these games that it wasn't even live but it was thrown on and there wasn't much else to watch as it was on the couch and there was nobody at the game now I, I don't know I don't know what the story is Juve are kind of struggling in the league but um, you're you're probably too young actually for this. But like back in the days of when they they're showing Italian football on yeah. RT, it was like it, it's actually sad. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering here with money, how big is the Premier League going to become relative to? We see the problems in Spain with regard to the top two, but Italian football is miles off where it was. Yeah. Um, and it was it was really sad to see like you've some good players, but like the the, the place was again. I, I have as I say, I'm not sure what the COVID regulations were. But Italian football has gone way back. Yeah, like wasn't there a time when the Italian play league was the place to go in terms of totally. Brady and all, and and they used to show. Was there a show on Channel Four once upon a time? Am I right in saying that that a certain cohort of people would remember that? Uh, people will will have show. very fond memories texting in and Peter Brackley, the late Peter Brackley, um, commentating and um, yeah, it was. Died. You young enough to old enough to remember that? I can't, Johnny. I can't. Mm-hmm. But what what you're saying there about the Italian league, like even oh, when you Italian, even when you think Johnny AC Milan against um, Inter Milan, like the San Siro. That game should be, you know, packed mm. in the San Siro, but you don't see it like. And I, I'd even getting half attendances now for a game like that. I don't know. I'm not mm. seeing a lot, a lot of Italian football now, but it is, it is sad to see because even as Cahill was saying there, you know, back in the 90s, you had Zidane, Henri, Crespo, all these big names going there, and then probably after AC Milan, maybe even after Inter Milan, maybe probably in 2010 when they won the Champions League, you start to see the big players, you know, fading out from Syria. It was only really. Ronaldo going back that was the last probably big big signing mm, yeah. that you can think of in Serie A like other than that off the top of my head there's no one really that sticks out the money's in the Premier League as well um, and uh, those who had their money on Galvin today were in the money yeah they certainly were Johnny produced a superb finish to win the Grade 1 Salvage Chase at Leopardstown this afternoon the Gordon Elliott trained 7 year old with Davy Russell on board just edged out pre-race favourite Aplutar in the day's other Grade 1 at uh, Leopardstown Paul Ternan guided Classical Dream to victory holding off the challenge of Flooring Porter in the Christmas Hurdle and at Limerick Sean O'Keefe and Concertista combined to land the Grade 2 Mayor's Novel chase but that was uh, some race today at yeah it was an unbelievable ride by David Russell but like there were there were just so many layers to the story at Leverstown today in that um, Gordon Elliott was basically fighting off Brian Gleeson like like literally fighting him off at the edge of the parade ring as he was interviewing him afterwards mm. Brian Gleeson was just very very persuasive as Gordon was like almost in tears this was um, a horrible year for him we all know that and he knows that it's probably in his head every day even though he doesn't want us to be talking about it but he references it afterwards the fact that he wins the Savile's chase as big as this 
and I don't care what he says the fact that he beat Cheveley Park on the line Cheveley Park abandoned him um, when all this happened the fact that he for one of his loyal owners beat Cheveley Park on the line and die Davy Russell who turns 43 next year he was out for nearly 11 months and I'm, I'm like I've been on Friday Night Racing here a few times saying like how is he not retiring the man has 4 or 5 young kids um, he doesn't have like a hand injury here. he has a neck injury and the doctors are clearly telling him we're not happy you have to go back he's gone back and his ride today was unbelievable and he's like oh I say the kids are kind of messing the house at home but I don't really care now but as you said Johnny a neck injury like to come back from that what 11 months you said mm. like that's just phenomenal like now Davey he's such a character a great character we've had him on the show before like you'd listen to him all, the, all day and regards him as a jockey like you know he's one, one of the greatest there'll ever be um, but to come back from the neck injury you know like when you think of other sports like how confident would a manager be, mm. you know, in, in terms of bringing a soccer player, a football player, hurling player, whoever, back onto the pitch that early? I don't know. And you think of the, the high risks that are involved in horse racing compared to those sports. Like, it's just phenomenal. And um, just even, like as you said, a big day there at Leopardstown. Like for you, Johnny Gordon Elliott, that win, like your emotions around that, what, how did you feel with that first win for him? I've complete, I've completely forgiven Gordon. I think in terms, like he he dealt with it in the right way. Um, I've always said, like, um, like if you look at Michelle Smith, right? If you if Michelle Smith did a, did a late late um, show um, performance and spoke in a certain way, people would look at her in a completely different way. Now we'll say so. Michelle Smith is seen a certain way. Um, we'll say if you look at Gordon Elliott, Gordon Elliott put his hands up and said, "Okay, this is what happened, and this is why you know it happened, and I'm sorry or whatever." And I think people forgive him, and people are like, "It wasn't the worst thing that ever happened." Um, I think for his mental health, I think he suffered really badly at the time. Like I was genuinely worried about him. That um, this is horrific. And it, he was being mocked on social media. Um, he was being mocked all over the world. He was being mocked on like American news channels for something he clearly shouldn't have done. And can you imagine somebody who's hidden a photo of you, presumably for two years, and has been waiting for just before Cheltenham to pounce on you? So he did wrong. But for me, like, you know, he certainly served his time, put it that way. And that was a tough time, I think, for the actual the game of horse racing, Johnny. Like, from there, like, as I said, tough time then. But how do you think the the game has gone on since then? Like, are they cleaning up? The yeah, we, we we've on? had we've had a tough year. Obviously, the obviously the Briony Frost um, thing with uh, Robbie Dunn. Um, you know, Jim Bulger's accusations. An awful lot going on. But if nothing else, it's certainly been in the papers as well. As was Gordon Elliott, and just finally classical dream that win over Florine Porter. Very controversial start to that. But um, what other news do we have? Yeah, let's uh, turn to rugby now, Johnny. Leinster head coach Leo Cullen says he was one of those who tested positive for COVID-19 in recent weeks. The province has been hit, of course, with a COVID outbreak, but uh, they do take on Ulster in the United Rugby Championship on New Year's Day. Leinster's St. Stephen's Day meeting with Munster in the uh, same competition was postponed, of course. Uh, elsewhere in rugby today, Jack Carty has emerged as an injury doubt for Connacht ahead of their clash with Munster on Saturday. The out-half is recovering from a foot injury, while cross-channel Premiership leaders Leicester have confirmed they're cooperating with an investigation into historic image rights payments. They say they're aware of allegations relating to the potential breach of salary cap regulations in Leicester lead the standings of course at the moment having won all 10 of their games so far in this year's Premiership campaign now we spoke about and uh, we mentioned uh, COVID-19 uh, already and it's uh, wreaked havoc at the World Darts Championships because Michael Van Gerwen has been forced to withdraw the three-time winner who was due to play Chris Doby tonight has tested positive for the virus so he's got to pull out and Doby receives a bye into the last 16 elsewhere Derry's Daryl Gurney is in action 
uh, right now. He's in, uh, taking on uh, Rob Cross, the former champion, of course. That's at the Alexandra Palace this evening. But earlier today, Steve Lennon's campaign came to an end. Mervyn King secured a 4-0 win over the Carla Man in the third round at the Alexandra Palace. Uh, just a couple of other items to tidy up, uh, Johnny, as well. In Gaelic Games, the former down footballer Darrow Hanlon has confirmed his retirement from the game at the age of just 28. He's had spinal surgery and two knee surgeries in recent years and says his body can no longer take any more. The cocoon man says he made unreal memories with club and county during his playing career. While in Galway, Currafin have appointed Kevin Johnson as their new senior football manager. The reigning All-Ireland champions lost out in the Galway County final to Mount Bellumoy Lock last month. Johnson replaces Kevin O'Brien and he's already won county titles as a manager with Ballantubber in Mayo and Torlestrand in Sligo. And in cricket today, Ireland's one-day international against the USA was postponed. It's now due to take place tomorrow. That's after officials said that a small number of positive COVID-19 cases were identified with the playing and support groups while elsewhere England's hopes of winning the Ashes are over. That's after a big defeat to Australia in the third test in Melbourne. The hosts retained the urn with two matches to spare by taking an unbeatable 3-0 lead. They thrashed England today by an innings and 14 runs. England just bowled out for 68 in their second innings. And uh, some sad news to finish uh, today for our news round because the death has been announced of the former RTE broadcaster Jim Sherwin who's passed away at the age of 81 of course synonymous with Ortiz rugby coverage for over 30 years and Olympics and uh, tennis as well and I know a lot of listeners will remember Jim Sherwin from uh, those broadcasts over the years Thanks a million Carl um, yeah Jim Sherwin obviously Fred Cogley before him um, voices of Irish rugby sadly passed and loads of tributes being paid you can see the top story on RT tonight as well uh, on the sports section that the Jim has died and um, we, we pay tribute to him and uh, may he rest in peace thanks a million Carl thanks Johnny and thank you Di thanks Johnny The News Round on Off The Ball with Gillette we don't just play the game we change it Gillette made of what matters